Today I'd like to speak about the miracle of the water into wine. The first miracle believed to be performed by Jesus is the changing of the water into wine at the wedding at Cana in Galilee. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is an invited guest and it's held that Mary and Jesus were actually present as family, along with other relatives and friends and some disciples of Jesus. And that would include, as far as the guests were concerned, the Apostle John himself, because he wrote this and he was there. So it is supposed because Mary, the mother of Jesus, takes a very close familial role of responsibility in noticing that the guests were running out of wine. And she sees herself as being in the place to give orders to the servants. She was a humble lady, so she knew she had a role because it's the place of family to attend to the needs of the guests for the bride and bridegroom and their parents. So John starts his account of the events at the wedding by saying, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. So she's prominent right from the beginning here. That's in John chapter 2, verse 1. And when it says on the third day, that prompts us to go back and read well, what was happening on the first and second day in Jesus' life prior to this third day. And it says in chapter 1 that John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, who'd been baptising people in the Jordan River and telling people that there was one coming that was greater than he. And then he saw Jesus coming. And as Jesus approached him, John proclaimed him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he also spoke about I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. That's in other Gospels. So this was the beginning of the public ministry of Jesus. So this is what happened on the first day. Two of John the Baptist's disciples asked Jesus on that first day if they could now become his disciples. So that was switching from John to Jesus. And Jesus tells them to follow him. Andrew is mentioned here. And he goes to get his brother, Simon Peter, who also becomes his disciple that day. There's a lot of discussion on which disciples actually were or John the Baptist's disciples. And it is conjectured by many that even John, who wrote this, was one of John the Baptist. But that's conjecture, but a lot of research has been done on it. But... It says there in the scripture, two began to follow Jesus here this day and Andrew and Peter are mentioned. So that was day one. So then we read in verse 43 of that first chapter, the next day, that's day two, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. That's the second day and he finds Philip there and says to him, follow me. Then Philip found Nathanael. So that second day was about Jesus gathering disciples. The next day would have been the third day. 
where the next verse starts in John chapter 2 with the story of the wedding feast in Cana where Jesus and his new disciples now are guests. So we read from John chapter 2 verse 1. On the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and he didn't know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water, they knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine till last. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. A moment of faith. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. So you can see the family kind of event happening here. So this miracle is the first of what are believed to be the seven signs of the coming of the kingdom of God through Jesus in John's gospel. The other six signs are said to include three major healings, the miraculous feeding of the 5,000, Jesus walking on the water and the raising of Lazarus from the dead. You'll find them all there in order. The word for sign in the original language is semion, S-E-M-E-I-O-N in Greek. A sign is a supernatural event just like a miracle, which is another Greek word, dynamis, which means power, but a sign is also a signpost pointing to the coming of the kingdom of God with a mighty and dramatic change that comes to humanity when the divine being of God is joined to his created being of humanity through Jesus. This is the Father's gift of the Holy Spirit into his kingdom through his Son. And there's a family event joining family to family. Mary had told Jesus that they had run out of wine for the guests and Jesus was taken aback because that was a pointed remark that Mary made and it implied that he had the power to do something miraculously to change the situation. And he commented that this didn't have anything to do with him because his hour had not yet come. Mary seems to disregard his comment and tells the servant, do whatever he tells you. The Bible then relates how Jesus goes into action, tells the servants, 
to fill the six stone jars with water. The master of ceremonies then tastes the excellent miraculous wine and makes the legendary statement to the bridegroom, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine to last. There were six stone jars at the entrance of the house, and these were for the religious ritual purification of the washing of each person's hands and feet as they entered. And the number six symbolises our fallen human nature. Mankind was created on the sixth day of creation. And the water here in this situation can represent the waters of chaos with creation beginning with the Spirit of God hovering above the waters. We read it in Genesis chapter 1. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. That word in Hebrew, tom, means an abyss, as a chaos of a surging mass of water. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So this water speaks of the disorder of our natural human life, which waits to be creatively touched by the Spirit of God. The water in the six stone jars being changed into wine symbolises an inner supernatural transformation where we become a new creation, from old creation to new creation, being made one in spirit with God. The water doesn't cease to exist, but it becomes transformed into a new creation reality. Now, that's us. We're the water and we're the wine, in a process of transformation, of course. On this occasion, Jesus did what his mother asked him. But the Bible says that Jesus did nothing unless he was told by his father to do it. Jesus would have understood that his father, God, must have said something to his mother, Mary. <laughs> because Mary had indeed heard from Father God on many occasions before this. So he did what she said to do. Now, this speaks to us not only of a family occasion at a wedding, but it symbolises Father's family plan for humanity on earth, which is that through Jesus, mankind was destined to dwell with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for all time. This was the beginning of the opening, I believe, of that mystery of family, of the kingdom that was to come when Jesus died, rose again, and the Holy Spirit was sent. Now, the family in heaven always was a family that lived with one another and for one another as one. That's family. Theirs is the perfect state of relationship. And that was forsaken by Adam and Eve for all of humanity when they believed Satan, who charged God with being self-interested and not perfectly loving to us. See the lie? It's destroyed the soul of humanity. 
Jesus has reversed this lie into the truth of God's perfect and inclusive love for us. We read in 1 John 5 verse 7 in the King James Bible, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. We are now part of the three-in-one God family. And we share their life and being and purpose and meaning. It's theirs to set for us. Jesus had explained to his disciples shortly before his death and resurrection that their lives would forever be intermingled with himself and his Father and the Holy Spirit. They couldn't quite follow what he was saying, but he said to them in John chapter 14, verse 20, he said, In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He's waiting for this truth to hit. Now here in this story, John has been unfolding the kingdom truth that Jesus would be the one who contains the Father and the Holy Spirit within his earthly being. So he is central to our being included in the Trinity because while being fully God, he took upon himself and into himself our human nature with all of its limitations, as we see in this following scripture in Colossians chapter 2. For in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Jesus was the embodiment of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he is the head. And you have been filled in him who is over all, with all rule and authority. Now Jesus is the one who causes us to know that the love of the Father that he has for us is the same as the love that the Father shares fully with Jesus himself. That's what I call inclusion. That's a desire of God. That's not us trying to plead, will you please love me? That's his desire to draw us into it. Jesus was also the one through whom he sent the Holy Spirit. And it is to Jesus that we continually pray to be filled with his spirit. Jesus is central. He joins us to the Father's love and he empowers us with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist had just previously said, I baptise with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. And that supernatural act, the water, John the Baptist, and the Holy Spirit of Jesus, is the supernatural act of the water being transformed into wine. And that happens within us. It's the intermingling and the flow of God's life into us that is in us and then flows through us. We are fulfilled in our lives when we go with that flow and don't resist it. It's wanting to flow. And if we go with it, we can become like it and reflect it but all the time, all that while, while we're believing 
that that is going on, the intermingling, we seek to try and observe what is in us that's resisting it. It's an interesting thing to ask yourself. You say, I know that, I believe it, I believe it, but there's something in here resisting it. God says, okay, I'll help you find it. I'll help you find it. And then we can clear that graciously for you. And we can have faith now that this flow of life is acting towards us. And as we yield to the flow of God's life, it empowers and heals wherever it touches. It first of all touches us in spirit, soul and body. Belonging to the heavenly family of God through Jesus becomes the realm or the sphere in which we now live. We're in it. We're always in good company. But it's not just being part of that family in the heaven. We can now live that towards his human family in the earth. It's possible that way. It is Jesus himself who is the Lord of peace, who is to be present always and ruling in our midst. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, This was the way God planned it before he even created the world, choosing the destiny of us as humanity, being joined to divinity in Jesus, complete and innocent and unashamed of who we are in our close love and intimacy with him. It's beautiful. The love and joy and peace of Jesus is to hold sway over every aspect of our lives. And the love that is poured into us now gets poured out instead of pouring out of our own weary humanity. <laughs> we can now invite people into this family anywhere by offering the life-giving new wine of his spirit of grace and love to everybody around us. And always being aware of ourselves as water being mingled into wine. Amen. Bless you.